Reef Therapy by Reef Builders is powered by ICP Analysis. What's in your water? Hey, Reef Builders, welcome to episode 73 of the Reef Builders podcast. For those of you that are watching on the YouTube channel, it looks a little different because we are actually in Tidal Gardens right now with the man, Mr. Than. What's up? <laughs> He's like, oh, what's up? Oh, wait, I have to talk now. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk some reef therapy. We're going to go through tank stuff. We're going to talk about our beers because we got some kind of local beers going on. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Than, thank you for allowing us to be in your spot. We, we appreciate this. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to have you guys over. So this is the night before we are kind of touring the thing, touring the farm with all the lights on and everything. Uh, so it's really dark in there, but still, it, I, the one thing that stood out to me the most when I first walked in was how quiet it is. And I know a lot of people say that, but you've done such a great job keeping the sound down. Yeah. With how many tanks you have? Yeah, so it, it is kind of it is kind of crazy, and it's totally my neuroses at work on that. But I had this idea that I wanted the downstairs to be a very film-friendly environment, and it's kind of still not, but it's way quieter than it has any business being for being a coral farm. Yeah. Like if you if you ever if you've ever been to any kind of large facility, like you know, it sounds like crashing waves and buzzing hum of equipment. And so, yeah, it, it is pretty quiet, but room for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> we go through what we're drinking every time. So, Than, what do you got in okay, the hands so right now? Okay, so this is kind of like a shout out to my college days of sorts, because I went to I went to college up in Michigan. So this is from Holland, Michigan. This is Dragon's Milk. So this is there's like a million different variations of Dragon's Milk. So, but this is kind of like the OG like bourbon barrel aged stout. Okay. Raj? Well, I mean, had to go with the other dragon, but went with their golden ale with milk sugar. Okay. Uh, I also went with that one. And this is different. This is a, it's a different beer. It's thick. It is straight from the teat of a dragon. That it is definitely sure. has dragon teeth. <laughs> uh, we always start with therapy as well. Um, Raj, I'll start with you. Anything going on in the tank world? Any updates to give us on what you got going on in your house? I was a little frustrated with the um, with the stand process. That seems to be way more complicated than it needs to be for you know to get a to do a nice stand. Um, there's lots of generic options available that are just particle board, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, but the custom stand process. I don't know. It, it just seems like it should be a lot easier, um, quicker. I, I'm I'm really struggling with that part. So you're doing you're not doing a, like a a planet aquarium or a Red Sea. You're pretty much doing custom everything here. So that's why you're kind of in a in a bind. Right, right. This is a completely custom build from top to bottom. Um, and so you know the stand has to be custom, and it doesn't need to be anything special, but being that I don't want anything special and I want it somewhat simple and go with the whole Euro look where it's clean lines and, you know, not ornate. I, I just expected the process to be a lot, um, lot smoother. Is it wood or is it metal? It's wood. Okay. Yeah. Now in our larger systems, you know, I always do metal just because the, the, the tanks are so heavy. That's going to be the best medium 
to use for most applications, but this tank's not that big, so. You don't wanna 80-20 it? You know, I thought about that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the look, so I'd have to wrap it anyway, um, which again, c includes a cabinet builder that's going to go through the same process and the same time delays and all that good stuff. Than thinking. That's the, that's the nature of custom, though. Like It is. I, I, I had this idea that if you are spending the tippest top dollar, that this should be a very smooth process. And it's the exact opposite. <laughs> like when you're, when you're dealing with like the artisan types, yeah. that, that adds 12 to 18 months to everything. Like there's just, there's always gonna be like whack delays. Now, if it takes 12 to 18 months, I'm murdering somebody. Oh, that's that's for that's sure. Normal. There is nothing in this industry that should take twelve to eighteen months to manufacture. Period. I think the reef therapy audience would also murder you. <laughs> <laughs> We're still talking about this tank. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> Not even real. It's vaporware. Yeah. <laughs> I think eighty twenty is the way to go. I don't. I don't know. I feel like you could you could wrap it with thin, what like uh, like some sort of thin wood sheet. I mean, there's like magnetic stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I guess yes. But then I have to do that part, and I was trying not to do that part. You know, I wanted to have that done so we can move along a little bit quicker. And you know, I'm not a cabinetry guy. Like, I'm not a cabinet maker. We don't have a cabinetry shop. We. It's not what we do. And I'm a firm believer in you let the companies that do the thing, let them do the thing and you stick to what you do. And overall, that's gonna end up with the best outcome, right? Like you, you let the CPA, the tax professionals handle the taxes. Don't DIY that stuff because you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, like it, and I, I learned this early on <clears throat> with car washing. Like I spent all this time cleaning my car, detailed the whole thing. And at the end of the day, I realized how many hours I put in to clean the car. It's at least four a detail, right? Four oh, hours, four, four or five hours. hours. Yeah, but uh, you know, this, you'll appreciate the level of neuroticism here is I got out the toothbrush and the, all the little magnetic bits, uh, um, little feather dusters and stuff to get all the dust out of all the crevices and everywhere, little pins mm. that get around the buttons and all the details. So it took a while. Yeah. And I thought I was saving money. It was my really, I was offended at how much these details cost. So I can just do that myself on the weekend until I realized how many hours I had to physically put in. And I looked at, looked at myself at the end of the day and I was like, you know, I wasted the entire day. It was, it was a lot of work and I could have just gone to work and do what I do <laughs> and made more money putting in that much effort at work yeah. and then paid the professional to detail the car. Yeah, there's definitely like an efficiency that the professionals have that you will just never have, right. or you could put the 10,000 hours in yes. and figure it out properly. Um, yeah, because I'm that way about plumbing now. Like I, I, there, there was a time where I viewed myself as a pretty good plumber, right? I was like pretty good. And so when we finally hired like a professional plumber, I'm like, I did this. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good, right? He's like, no, 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 like he's trying to be polite. I just said nothing. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Then I see his work and it's like, oh, yeah. this guy's like for real, real. This guy's like an artist. And after that, I'm like, I'm never plumbing again. 
Yeah. Nope. Just just yeah. pay them their what one fifty an hour or whatever they're charging. It's worth it. Just get this off my plate. So I, I get it. Than anything you want to get off your chest? So I am at the point where I'm just glad that a lot of my big projects are more or less done with. And any remaining big projects are largely optional. Like if I, if I wanted to, to get a little bit crazy, I could still do that. But it's not necessary for me to, to do that. It's not preventing me from having an operating system. Uh, like, for example, I don't have 10,000 gallons empty downstairs unless I do some big project. Like, we're good for right now. So I'm just like evening out all the little tiny projects here and there, and I'm just trying to like sit back because I've been in big project mode for now for four years. And so this is a highly refreshing time period for me. Do you hear that? So if I get my tank Bill done earlier than four years. I'm ahead, so, so that's what I'm hearing. I was. We were just talking downstairs about how I remember, you know, watching your YouTube channel, uh, the Tidal Gardens YouTube channel, whenever you first started this build, and thought of like the magnitude of how large this facility is and how it was going to take forever to fill it. Has it been four years uh, since we broke ground? Yes. Okay. And I think that like. Most places of this size would have been done a long time ago because they didn't build it from a dirt patch to this. Like they would have either rented or bought an existing building, like a sane person. But I wanted to build this on my property. And so up it came. And there's some cool parts to that just because I was able to customize literally every centimeter of this place to exactly coral farming. And so I'm not like converting a warehouse to a coral farm. Like everything is purpose built for with coral farming in mind. So that was cool. It just takes longer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks beautiful. And uh, we were just having some coffee from the Ghibli or whatever it was. What's, <laughs> what's, what's the coffee maker? Jura. Jura. Sorry. Some fancy coffee maker. You said we're going to make gelato tomorrow. Like, I can't wait for the gelato. What's going I'm pretty on pretty excited about that. What is this about? It's, it's worth the price of admission. <laughs> There's some serious office perks, for, for sure. Um, so for me, I would say my, my therapy starts with the fact that we had a freak storm come through the area in my town where I live, uh, right outside of St. Louis. We haven't had rain in, I think it was like 29 days we didn't have rain. We were in a drought, for sure. And so I had my whole entire family in for 4th of July weekend, like 13 people in my house. And we're all like my brother and my brother-in-law are going out to do a beer run. And we see this like storm cell forming. I'm like, fantastic. It's going to rain. Let's go. And we got home. We had dinner. We had pizza and all that. And then the, the power just turned off and the whole house just gone. And it didn't look bad outside. And then literally 30 seconds later, it felt like we were in the middle of a tornado. I don't think I've, in all of my years in living in the Midwest and witnessing severe storms, never have I ever been in something like this. Like I was telling people to get down to the basement, which is weird because normally if you're from the Midwest, you're out on your front porch watching this thing, right? And uh, there's a there's a gentleman from across the street that works for the power company and he you know everybody emerged from their homes afterwards because there's you know when the power's out that's what you do you just come out and see what the damage was and the gentleman from across the street had said that it would it would be two three days before we had power because there were like 13 
um, poles that had snapped with power bringing the the energy bringing into the uh, into the town. And so they were gonna have to repair all those. My tree is snapped in half in the front yard, which is fantastic because it was a Bradford pear tree and those are invasive. Uh, <laughs> I was telling Raj earlier, I was telling my wife about how we saved about $5,000. You know, Mother Nature saved us like $5,000 by ripping it down and we just put it out in front and the city is coming through and picking up all the limbs and, and you know, trees and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, but yeah, I was, I will, I will openly admit that I was not prepared for this. I'd always thought, why do I need a generator? Um, what's my backup plan? I don't need one. I've never really, you know, I'll just throw some aerators in the tanks. It'd be fine. We've never lost power for longer than a couple hours. We'll be good. I don't have huge systems. There's not a whole lot of money involved in my system. So I was like, okay. But, uh, when he said it, it might be three days we got in the car and we went to Home Depot and dropped a grand on a generator and came back. And I'm glad I did because that's that thing ran our refrigerator and my tanks for three and a half days. It, it was, was wow. insane and something that you don't you don't think is going to ever happen to you. And then, boom, it just happened. And <laughs> somebody sent me a meme. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this where. Uh, the dog is just like reading a newspaper and everything is burning, burning around it. Everything's fine. <laughs> everything <laughs> is fine. fine. That, that was, was my, my coral, coral tanks. You know, the reef tanks are just like chilling. What up? They didn't have light for a couple days, but <laughs> they're just like living their lives. Um, but yeah, if uh, you don't have a backup plan, it's probably a good idea to have. The backup plan here is is quite substantial, I would imagine. I saw it out in the back. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much right in front of your rental car. Yeah, it's uh, that's an 80 kilowatt generator. So that thing, if it when it kicks on, it, it provides 400 amp three phase to all the buildings back here. So we didn't have to pick out individual breakers or anything. It powers the entire panel. That's crazy. So literally the thing like any disturbance, it, it immediately switches over because like our transfer switch is the size of like a normal house generator just the switch over is. Mm -hmm. But um, the what they don't ever tell you, it's like, this sounds like amazing, right? But what they never tell you is every single time that this thing runs, it needs to be serviced. Wow, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, so if, if this thing runs, you need to call the electricians back over, it needs to get an oil change, because it's, it's basically a big V8 engine in there, like a big Chevy. And it, the, the entire thing needs to be uh, like, like flushed and, and, and tested and everything every single time it runs. So it'll be like about 700 bucks every single checkup. Wow. Wow. I just, like put, a scam. I just put stable, uh, fuel stabilizer <laughs> in, in my generator when I was done with it. But um, yeah, that's, it, it was just, it was one of those moments where, like I said, I, I never thought it would happen and it did. And uh, my family left early. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you guys, you guys don't need to be here for this. This is, this is ridiculous. Captain We're, goes down with the ship. Yeah. 85 degrees upstairs in our, in our upper level of the house. So we spent the weekend in the basement and it was my daughter's birthday and everybody's gone. And it was just, it was a whole, it was a whole big thing. Family complaining on the way back. Remy doesn't even have power. Yeah. No AC. <laughs> he sucks. Um, but before they left, I did get my brother-in-law, my brother, to help me move the new Red Sea down in the basement. So nice. And those things are heavy. We did. It, we only did it with two and a half guys. So my brother kind of helped out where he could fit because that once you get down the, the basement stairs, it was just two guys. Like there's no way there's a guy on the side or, you know, helping. So you didn't have him like 
crouch underneath the tank yeah. and <laughs> no. t- with it on his back. Yeah. Right. If he was no. a real, like if he was your real brother, that's what he would have yeah. done. Yeah. Right. And it's only the 625. So it's not the biggest tank that Red Sea offers. So it's not, it's not huge, but uh, it is downstairs. We did not get it on stand, but I did use them to get it downstairs. So I, I now know that I need one more, just another guy and some suction cups to, you know, pull it up on the stand. Obviously nothing like what is here in this building because there are some huge ass glass tanks in here. I mean, what, what's your biggest tank that you've got? Uh, you have a, two, it's right? It's a 600. Yeah, they're, they're, I've got two 600 gallon tanks, Yeah. which on its face doesn't sound that that big as far as like big tanks go, but they're overbuilt like crazy. So they're excruciatingly heavy. They, they had to be like machine lifted onto yeah. the stand. It's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 amazing how much glass is down there, and we'll we'll get to that in some some videos for sure. Um, you've probably seen a lot of the Title Gardens videos already. We're gonna try to focus on some other aspects when we go shoot tomorrow morning. But uh, uh, I want to ask, just what are you? What's your goal here? What are you doing? You're here. You've got all these tanks. You've got you know. Obviously, I know you sell coral like once a month on um, on auctions and stuff like that. Or the live sales that you do on YouTube, but what what's the ultimate goal here for you? Other than you just being an amazingly curious hobbyist at heart, I think. Um, I think that I mean it sounds kind of kind of pedestrian now to have a coral farm, but when I started this, there's no such thing as a coral farm really. Like uh, we, Tidal Gardens was started in 2002. So it's been like over 20 years. And this is back in the day when nobody propagated corals very much. And so to kind of like go from those origins to now where almost every commercial operation does some level of propagation, it doesn't seem to sound that novel. But my goal was just always to have a coral farm. I enjoyed the process of growing coral. And yeah, and, and the commercial side is just obviously to sell the coral. But over the course of 20 something years, uh, my relationship with coral and with the hobby has definitely evolved, and but there's always something that, about like the like the business that is interesting to me. So at, at at various times I was like I was more interested in photography than the coral stuff. At different times I was interested in the videography more than the coral stuff, and and now I think that I'm I'm very much interested in like just the system construction to make all of these things easy to maintain by a small group of people. Like that sort of thing. So I guess my focus constantly changes. So like my, my overarching goal really, I think, has been accomplished. I have a coral farm. But it's the, it's the micro goals underneath that that I yeah. think are, are kind of interesting. Now, do you just sell to hobbyists? or Do you wholesale at all? Very little wholesale. Um, we do do some wholesale. It, it's largely like not impactful for us. Because um, it, it's always funny, like pe- like the the places that we do sell to in bulk, they will come here, they will fill up a truck, or like in the case of like Andrew Sandler, he filled up his plane. Like they really couldn't take more onto the plane, sort of thing. And you would never know anything is missing out of this place. Like like so, these bulk customers, it, it's like a rounding error on how much coral actually leaves this place. So it, it's I'd say ninety nine percent retail. Okay. Yeah, I was uh whenever I've sold at Frag Swaps, I always feel that same way. 
like you sell a bunch of frags at a frag swap on a much lesser scale, of course, but you sell a bunch and then you're, you're putting it back in the tank and you're like, did I sell anything here? <laughs> <laughs> and you do, but it's just, you, you don't realize how much or how many frags you actually have. And I, I'd say it'd, it'd be hard to make a dent down there with the amount of Coralie you have. To put that in pers into perspective, so we've got two buildings. We've got like this new building, then we've got also got like the greenhouse. And the greenhouse systems, a lot of them are, are, are pretty old at this point, and I want to revamp all of those. The problem is I have no place to put all those corals, not even temporarily, not even segments here and there to redo like large swaths of that place. So we're stuck with a lot of the a lot of the growing pains type tanks out in the greenhouse simply because we can't move physically move and house those corals anywhere. Cuz we sometimes do these fire sales and then we look at the tanks and they're still there. Like and we <laughs> sold like like UPS trucks full of this stuff and it didn't help our case at all yeah. in order to like empty out a system to to do these uh, upgrades. Yeah, that's interesting. Seven years ago, you suggested on a video that a 120 gallon tank is the size of tank that a beginner should start with. Has that opinion changed at all in seven years as technology has kind of changed a little bit too? Uh, so my concept of, of, of tank sizes is even more messed up now. Uh, only because like this, this place has so many large tanks that like a 120 is like what we would use to, as like a service tank, not even like a home show tank. Ouch, bro. But, but. I just got my biggest <laughs> tank I've ever had at a 160, and I feel so small. But, but that, that's, that's, that's the anything. that's the nature of this place. That, like if if we put like if we put up a 120, it would look like. It would look like a small quarantine tank sitting in a corner, that sort of thing. So I'm messed up in that way, guys. I get it. But the reason why I was uh, I was advocating for a 120 specifically, that four foot two by two by four, um, is that a lot of the equipment that you would put on that would be the same equipment that you would put on a 55 gallon tank. That a lot of people would say is a more appropriate size for a beginner, but Aside from the cost of the glass itself and the stand, whatever that might be, um, the system is basically the same. Like the skimmer is going to be similar. The lights are going to be similar. The pumps are going to be similar. So by going from a 55 to a 120, you're really getting so many advantages over that 55 that I would say that the upgrade cost on the glass would be very much worth it. So. I would still recommend that, but I do have to throw a little caveat in there. If you're going to go smaller than 120, you should go really small and just deal with the fact that you can't have like tangs and stuff like that. You can't have certain very helpful critters and you're going to you're going to be the doing the elbow grease that all of those things would have provided. But like a 30 gallon breeder, if you just wanted to get started, is also like a, like a perfectly good size. So I would say either start pretty darn small, 20, 30 gallons, or go to 120. But anything in the middle there is probably not something I'd be super crazy about. Yeah. I'm with you with the larger tanks, um, but I don't like the four foot dimension. Mm -hmm. I like it longer. Like six at least? Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking for, for somebody's first home aquarium, like it, I get that, but you know, in four feet, you just run out of space so quickly, and 
you're going to upgrade. We all know we're going to upgrade, right? <laughs> yeah. You buy the tank and you know you're going to get something bigger. You just, it's what we do. And so... I think we're the out-of-touch folks out of, in, we, in this. No, but everybody upgrades. I mean, we probably are out of touch with that stuff, but yeah. everybody does upgrade. Everybody has that graveyard of equipment in their garage. Right? I've got boxes that of just stuff, just aquarium stuff that I never threw out and just through my various upgrades. And Okay, so, so I guess here, here, here's my question to you. Would you rather have a, have a six or an eight-foot tank? Um, I do like the eight foot tank. Uh, I went my, I went from a twenty nine gallon to my ten foot tank. Okay. So I made I made a really big leap because uh-huh. I just knew that I'm going to punish myself and I'm going to do this thing where okay I'll go from the twenty nine I'll get the six footer then I'll go with the eight footer and eventually do the ten footer and I'm just going to repeat this process over and over again. But I knew it, so I went ahead and just bit the bullet and went ten feet. I had a feeling that the six-foot recommendation was a concession. Well, <laughs> yes, but but we're talking about if you're going to start with yeah. a tank, like what what size that should be. I don't think that should be the eight-foot. I think that six-foot is going to be more applicable. And price-wise, the, the, the barrier to entry is much lower on the six-footer than it is yeah, on the sure. eight. Right? Does any, I don't even know if anybody makes uh, like a standard eight. I don't think so. Do any of the... I don't think so. But a standard six is probably uh, bang for a buck might yeah. be uh, bang for a buck. The 120 still might be the best only because you're to go from a six to I'm sorry, go to go from a four to a six. Your lighting cost goes up about 50 percent. It doesn't have to. Mm. It depends on how you aquascape. It depends on. Right. I mean, people will they'll go completely edge to edge on their aquarium and they light the end panels and you really don't need to do mm. that. So if you bring the lights closer in to mm-hmm. where all of your action is going to be, I think you can get away with less light. Sorry, light manufacturers. Well, yeah. well we're also still in the weeds, but a lot of like a lot of the six uh, tanks, so the six foot tanks, yeah. they have uh, cross bracing exactly where that lighting system <laughs> right. would make sense to be, you know. Yeah. So th- there, there are some little, yeah. little, little quibbles in there. But if, if I, if the person has the space and the budget for it, I'm always going to be like, bigger is better until about three to four hundred gallons, yeah. and then after that, it's like, oh, you, you done messed up. Oh yeah. Because, yeah. because the, the folks that like they dream about that 500, 600 gallon tank, that's when it falls apart. Like that becomes really challenging. Challenging how? Uh, if you have like a just a little nuisance algae problem that in a thirty-gallon tank you would have solved in about thirty minutes with a toothbrush, now is literally unstoppable because it can grow faster than you can remove it yourself, and sometimes it outpaces the appetite of your herbivores. Because in my SPS tank downstairs, if you look carefully, it is mostly valonia, and that is in a tank full of tangs and fox faces and emerald crabs because the stuff simply outpaces their appetite to eat it. Yeah. And they do eat it, but it's it's just too much. Oh yeah. And then reaching it is difficult. I get I get that. Yeah. yeah. The, the you had that I, I remember you documented that in one of the 600s, right? Mhm. You just it was just like oh, amber that waves that, that of grain just algae. like yeah, yeah the hair algae just yeah. going crazy that goes away on its own more yeah. or less eventually that 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 goes away on its own and i intentionally made that video knowing that it was going to go away and i was just going to invite 
the hate like an ant trap. <laughs> um, but yeah, because I knew that that's a, that's a problem that people are going to have starting up a tank. They need to see what this looks like, even in a big tank. This is how bad it can be, and that it's going to be okay. But now I'm, I'm on the flip side of that, where this is a mature tank, and there's macro algae now that can still outpace herbivores. So, yeah, it's it's not horrific, but it's certainly an issue that uh, is glaring. I think. I think Planet they have a three ten. How long is that tank? Is that seven or eight feet? I'm not too familiar. Our, with our LFS, my LFS has one. <clears throat> It's their display tank right when you walk in, and I think it might be eight. So Planet might be one of those manufacturers that does make one of those. Just as a standard offering. Yeah. Yeah. A three ten. Uh, but I think that that you know that's a good, that's a good tank. Do you think that do you think that if you get over that four or five hundred, yeah, the problems get bigger, but also the equipment costs also tend to rise at that point too. I think everything at that point is going to be very expensive because. When you talk about, let's say, your your two foot wide tank, your one, your six foot one eighty, uh, your eight foot two forty, something like that, but to then to go to five hundred, right? Now, now we're talking about the lighting thing. Yep. It doubles because right. yeah. now your your bank of like four to five radions. Yep. Sponsor of the Title Gardens <laughs> YouTube channel, guys. Um, now, now you're talking about eight to ten lights. So on our 600 gallon downstairs, there's a dozen radions over it. Like for example, so yeah, that that scales up very poorly. Yeah, and all the equipment gets a lot bigger, right? All your life support has to get bigger. Mm-hmm. What's that? Uh, uh, there's a, a, a there's like a price point in diamonds where like if you go above like a carrot and a half then it just exponentially rises after that would you would you think that that's kind of like that same like analogy of once you get to a certain point then it just like skyrockets and you know the sky is the limit on what you can spend because i feel like the uh the tank at uh the st louis aquarium the only reef tank that they have the only dedicated reef tank i think it's like seven or eight hundred gallons total and it's huge it's just massive uh, and they've got just all commercial equipment on that, you know, MRC and all those those kinds of things. Um, but I feel like you kind of need that, right, at that point? You have to process a certain amount of water, right? And you have to you, you have to take out a lot more than what your standard hobby equipment is going to do. So once you get to that 500-plus range, you're, you're leapfrogging into the professional level of equipment. So just like your diamond example – and, and that's with everything. Once you hit that threshold, now you're taking that leap up. Yeah. Right. Once you get over, even when th- with the small tanks, you have your nano. It's going to cost you X amount. Once you move into that 48, 24, 24, you do take that jump. You know, I think there's there's a similar um, there's a similar jump that happens going from a very very small like 20, 30 gallon tank to like a 120, and then I think that there's that similar jump going from like uh, let's say a 300 to like a 600 gallon tank. Because uh, so starting with the small example, you don't think those are those tiny protein skimmers with the janky little pumps and yeah. they they barely work at best. You know they make bubbles, but eh, are they are they really doing anything? Yeah. I don't know. It makes you feel good. A sometimes. lot of skimmers look like that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure, right? Go figure. 
But once you get into like uh, a halfway decent skimmer, let's let's say what, what's a halfway decent skimmer? I think Reef Octopus makes a decent budget skimmer, like the three to eight hundred dollar. I don't even know how much these things are anymore. But it, once you get into that range on a let's say a one eighty gallon tank, uh, that's a, that's going to be a pretty functional looking thing compared to that skilter or whatever the heck yeah. that was on your 30 gallon, right? Yeah. But I am at that tipping point where I have like a pretty decent sized reef octopus that I am sure is undersized for my 2,500 gallon systems downstairs. And I'm sure Raj is like walking right by that just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're so close to doing it right. Then I, then I see this and it just, just derails my opinion of this whole place. I was good, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I haven't mocked you yet. Yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's this, coming. And this and this is why I, I wanted Raj to eventually see this place because there's only there's only so many people that can have that perspective. Like if I walk into any other coral farm, I have I got some opinions, right? It's like I got some hot takes, and and, and and not to be like disrespectful in any way. It's just that there's there's so much that I know about exactly this, right? But there's very few people that know. Um, like life support systems at a professional level at a, at a certain scale. There's like literally like less than 10 people, I'm going to guess, that have like that type of intimate knowledge on that. And so like absolutely be here. I want to talk about all this stuff. So I make the cut on the 10? Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. Awesome. For sure. For sure. Hey, top 10 life support guys. I'm going to make a plug. I just need your budget on some of these things to, to match up with my strat. No, but... Um, it, it, it is like that that level of knowledge is, is kind of like rarefied air though like you just can't you just can't pick just people's brains like well what do you think should be sized for this and certain manufacturers of the equipment they have no idea um, so certain manufacturers just like why don't we give this a try see if it works like because they've never they, they don't have access to giant coral farms and stuff yeah. so they have no way of testing this like in that scale and and the hobby it doesn't scale Right. Like it's not a linear scale where if you're dealing with a hobby system versus a commercial system, it's different. You can't just say, well, you've 10 times the volume. Let's take everything we did here, multiply by 10. And here you go. Lots of people try it. They mm -hmm. do it every day and it always ends poorly. Um, so th it is different and it, it is somewhat specialized. And there are people there that do build uh, coral farms, there's companies that, you know, that's what they do. Uh, manufacturers, a lot of them aren't even really available, right? They're manufacturers elsewhere that you've got representation here from a distributor. So if you're trying to get a certain amount of information, you're going to hit a little bit of a roadblock there unless you go around the mm. distributor and actually get to that manufacturer. The manufacturer's overseas and something like that. So you're right. dealing with like a like a an exclusive distributor in the state. Distributor, right. And so they may not know why something was created in a mm. specific way. Like what's the engineering behind it? Uh, you know, how is it really applied? What are the limitations there? How how are the ratings come up with? Like you see this on products all the time, and you can see it from I don't know, like fifty dollars skimmers and a thousand dollars skimmers, and it. The, Forget this hobby. You see it in the audio world in every single cameras, thing. cameras, yeah. right? It's like 4K. 4K. My phone does 4K. This camera does 4K. Yes. They're not the same. They're not the same. <laughs> I, I, I dealt dealt with an, an audio where you have a 50 watt amp um, from a professional 
amp company or you have a 500 watt amp from you know the cheap overseas manufacturer and the 500 watt amp is a fraction of the price mm-hmm. well somebody is not telling the truth somewhere right or that watts don't tell the story at all the watts don't tell the story at all yeah bingo it's a made-up spec just to get you to buy because well, 500 must 500 be better watts. than 50 it's better than 50 yeah right why would i pay so much money for this 50 watt amp that's exactly what it's like in that megapixel round. You know, you, my mom would always be like, I got this little point and shoot. It's like 35 megapixel. I'm like, mom, it's not the same on that as it is on a professional like DSLR camera. It's just not the same. Um, to go from high end to more of an affordable level, I think one of my favorite videos that you ever did was revealing the Amazon T5 lights oh, in yeah. the greenhouse. And I think that that shows the hobby that you can do this kind of on a shoestring budget. Where are you at with the T5s? Are you still using them? Do you still believe that they can grow or in that philosophy at all? So we use very few T5s. And it is not because it's an inferior tech at all. In fact, I quite like T5s a lot. Um, And I especially like T5s for photography. we, We literally have a photography tank that is exclusively lit by T5. And that will always be lit by T5 as long as they're, they're, they're still being made. Um, I think we ended up going with more LED fixtures over time just because I was kind of realistic about our ability to swap out bulbs routinely. We would run T5 bulbs for like four years, okay? <laughs> and just not care. And it's like, that's not great, you know? That's not a failure of the tech. That's just our neglect. But I know that that is going to be our level of neglect here. That's just, this happens. It's been tried and true for 10 years. I know that those bulbs are not going to get replaced on time. They're just not. So that's, I think that's why we've gone to LED more. But there's certain applications where I, very clearly appreciate T5. Um, I wish we could do more with that in this building, but because of the heat generation, um, it ain't working out. Because this this building, unlike the greenhouse that just is like a wind tunnel, this place, all the heat that we generate, we have to do something about. Because it is so well insulated. So, if, you know, for every degree that we, we bump up, we have to air condition back down. And that, that gets kind of like dubious. So, you know, we can't just have like halides and, and, and T5s and stuff like that rampantly here. So going back to the 120, uh, you know, that being a good beginner tank, would buying a T5 fixture off of Amazon for that tank be something that you would recommend to start if you were on a You on a totally budget? could. And the thing is, like, if you bought like a four or six bulb T5 fixture, throw it over the tank, there's nothing you couldn't grow. Like... Any and all SPS is going to be fair game. So, and I think that, that that speaks to like a bigger point. There are ways to do this hobby very inexpensively, but that level of knowledge is just not available to a lot of beginning hobbyists. Because I, I was asked one time just by like a, a classmate once, it's like, if we wanted a, a such and such tank, how much would it cost? And I'm like, it would cost X, but there's no way that it's going to cost X for you. Because you just don't know what you're doing. Like, you're just starting off in this hobby. Like, you don't know what corners you can and can't cut. You don't know what technology will absolutely work for you if you didn't care about the bells and whistles. Like, again, that Amazon T5 fixture. 
you would be hard pressed to argue that two extremely expensive LED fixtures from your favorite manufacturer is going to perform better than as like a six bulb T5 fixture. Like, I, I would think that that T5 fixture is going to just destroy that LED fixture in terms of performance. Yeah. And it's not just intensity, but it's like the way that, it, that the light blankets everything, the way that it avoids shadowing underneath corals and stuff. It's going to be like far superior. I think I've brought them up probably a dozen times now, but Garf, mm -hmm. you know, Sally Joe and Leroy, I mean, they had amazing reef tanks that they were using normal output lamps on. So not even T5s. And if they can grow some of the corals that they grew in those, and that was cheap. I mean, it was dirt cheap to get into one of their style. What did they call it? Do, do you remember? It was like the bulletproof. Bulletproof. Oh, bulletproof yeah, yeah, yeah. reef. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, I read that website from top to bottom, front to back. I, mean, I learned everything I could about it because it was really, really fascinating to see while on the one hand, people were talking about how you had to have all this stuff to have this great reef and they were there proving it, doing it with normal output lamps that you could buy anywhere. Mm -hmm. So with your with your Amazon T5s, did you use their lamps or did you change them out with? Oh, we use ATIs. Okay, what was your favorite <laughs> lamp? Uh, it's, so actually I like Aqua Blue Special, which is the most white looking of, a, of their bulb offerings. So my favorite combination would probably be like an even split of Aqua Blue Special and Blue Plus. And that for photography especially is gonna be outrageously flattering but in the most natural way. And that is gonna be the most, um, I guess for your, for your camera is gonna be the, the, the most forgiving to like the physics of the camera sensor. So the image that that, that, that bulb combination is gonna get you, it's gonna be fantastic. Having said that, we don't shoot under that. We shoot under the blue junk, you know, you know, the internet. <laughs> the but, internet. But <laughs> yeah, you, you know how it is. Like people are expecting a very, very blue look. Yeah. We give them what they expect. But if it was me, as like for, for my vision of what I would want to shoot with, it would be a, a much more daylight colored light. I think that's one of the interesting things about how you do your live auctions or your live sales. Um, is that you show the entire spectrum for the most part going as as the coral is up on the on the actual screen it goes from you know white to blue and you show how it looks through all of those colors and i think that's really fascinating is that it, it, so when you're doing a live sale the lights actually going up and that's, down that's that's a special effect but it's it's one that i've kind of uh, the custom crafted to give it the most representative thing I can for that. Um, it, it's not always perfect, but it gets you uh, it gets you a good idea. Yeah. And it really diffuses a lot of unrealistic expectations. I think that's like, so the, the, the call that I definitely don't want to get is somebody complaining about how something looks online versus what they received. Like that is just such an annoying thing because a lot of these corals are nice enough that they sell themselves. I don't have to go to that extra step of, of glossing them up to an unrealistic extent. So by doing something like that where I can show like a color gradient, it really diffuses a lot of that type of issue. So I, I try to do stuff like that whenever possible. And that is also just to like get all, all that static off of my desk. Just like <laughs> I don't want to deal with any of that. Some bad energy. Um, so what I, I 
because we there are so many different uh, retailers out there that are just straight up up in the saturation, up in the vibrance on all these on these uh, coral photos. And I know that there to some degree you have to you have to sell them, right? So there's there's some degree of flashiness that comes with that. But unfortunately, I think that it only it, 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 I I know that it works, but I think that it works on the type of customer that unfortunately is going to be newer to the hobby. They don't have like the mental filter of, oh, I know what that looks like in real life. I'm still going to buy it because I, I know what that looks like in real life and that's good enough. Um, but like to, to somebody that's just getting into the hobby, they don't really know what they're looking at. It's borderline like predatory. I mean, mm-hmm. it's because because it, there's there's certain corals that there's no way that it could ever look like that in person, because it involves like wearing glasses to get that effect. Like you don't look at your tank with a certain type of filtered glass. Like that's just not a thing. Yeah. So and I think at that point it's like okay, you know, we need to take a, take a couple steps back from that, and because. Chances are, like I said, the coral was probably good enough to sell. You didn't need to take that additional step into something that's not replicable. But I don't know. That's I guess that's that's just me. So who's the worst offender? Call him out. <laughs> you know, you know what's funny? It's I can't even say because I don't shop. Yeah. Like that that's I think that's the biggest thing. Like I, I um like my 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 acquisition target type stuff. I'm literally looking for like five great corals a year and I'd be happy. So I can really be like super specific. So, and also that means I don't have to shop a lot. So unfortunately, um, I'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus just yet. Damn it. (sighs) Have another beer. They know who they are. (laughs) They don't need me to tell them. Vibrance up, you have a preset of saturation and vibrance on your, yeah, but I do think that, I think you're right with that because when I first got into the hobby, that was very much a, like, I don't care what it looks like. You know, you can you can up the vibrance and the saturation on something, and I'll get it, and it'll be whatever. That's just how the hobby is, right? But then when you when you pass that, I think, one- to two-year mark in the hobby, if you make it that far, you start to appreciate different parts of this hobby and different niches and different lighting spectrums and things like that and different corals for what they are. I mean, the Ganiastria at Aquashella Dallas that – made a magazine recently you know it's, that's a, a commonly overlooked coral because a lot of times it's fragged up so much that you can't ever see it in a in a colonial form um but i was going to ask you said you only shop for like five corals a year are there any holy grail corals that you don't have that you're always on the lookout for there's quite a few so right now i've been on a, on a big kick for ganiapora so i actually had already purchased this one and I kind of maybe lost it, or it shrunk, and I don't know if the one I think it is, it is it or not. But I'm looking for a speckled red Ganiapora. Um, what else am I looking for? What color are the speckles? Are they like a white? Uh, they're like a, like they're, a they're kind of like a pink, actually. So it's like a like a, a red base, and a, and a, and the speckles themselves are like a lighter shade. Because um, we have like a a green one that's we call like a glitter bomb. Yeah. And that has like very pronounced like speckling. The red ones are always more subtle. But then what I thought was hilarious, I have a friend in Japan who has a coral farm. And he hunted down a red speckled Ganiapora because he heard 
me talk about it one time, and his looked better than mine. Like, so he was able to track down a very nice specimen and propagate it to heck, and he's in Tokyo. So it's like, that doesn't help me at all here, right? (laughs) (laughs) But so clearly it exists. I just need to like find a a good source and find it. What else is on that list? Um, Let's see. So there are a handful of really nice high-end Acropora that I'm looking for. Acros are one of those things that I wish I just did better. Like we do okay with acros, but there's some folks out there that do acros like super well, like Top Shelf Aquatics does acros like super well. And it's like, she's like are we gonna copy their systems? Probably not. In practice, it ain't, it ain't gonna happen. But um, if we were able to keep acros better than we currently are, I would go on a huge happy hunting spree on a dozen different variants of those. Um, what else? I think that as time goes on, uh, the, the sort of corals that will do better like business-wise for us aren't going to be fast-growing SPS that just go crazy. It'll be the slower-growing LPS that other people are not willing to try to grow. So I think that we would probably even focus on, on certain uh, like large polyp stonies that people aren't necessarily even fragging a lot right now, like, like scalemia. Homophilia, Australis, um, Cyanarena, things like that. And either do the sexual reproduction thing, try to, or just make the time commitment and propagate them. So stuff like that. I mean, that could be, what, a two to three year time commitment, right? So I came across a video, um, I think it was, I think Parker, Parker's Reef in Australia. Yeah, the monsoon. Monsoon, yeah. yeah. And they were saying between six to 12 months is like the time frame. It's because they use MRC equipment. Just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> just saying. So th- they said. Total coincidence. Guaranteed success with homophilia. <laughs> they said six to 12 months uh, for actual like propagation or from. I think that the, the six would be to get it to something that, that might sell 12 to the point where it turns more circle-like. Gotcha. Yeah. But they had, they're the first place I've ever seen do that at scale. Yeah. Like, I thought that was impossible until I saw it. I fragged a, a baby scully, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it was about six to eight months for it to round itself out, but it was still tiny. I mean, we're talking maybe half dollar size. Yeah. It was already, it was, it was already a, so there's a guy in Chicago, Ryan Cunningham, Chummingham's Reef, and he frags all those big meaty corals. And uh, I bought a baby off of him that was like an F2 or F3 generation, and it was tiny, and it's still about that size. Like, they just take forever. Mind you, I could be feeding it better and feeding it more, you know, meaty foods and things like that on a regular basis. But it's just amazing how slow they grow. But a half dollar size frag these days is a colony, right? Yeah. <laughs> I will say I, I still spent $100 on this on this baby frag, but it was cool. It's like a bleeding apple kind of variant with, you know, when you in the way that you frag it or, you know, what you're selecting to frag color wise will, you know, create an entirely new pattern on it too. So you get some pretty wild stuff. Yeah. And I think it right now probably makes more sense at the hobbyist level that can just sit and not have to worry about like the economics of it. But until I saw that monsoon video, I was like, I didn't think that it would really ever make sense at the commercial scale. But I think that with the like the collection restrictions that are going on in Australia, that sort of activity is going to be making a lot, lot more sense economically. 
and to, to see somebody else do it successfully was very encouraging to the point where I showed, I showed my staff that video and a whole bunch of them just immediately said, we should start doing that right this second. And I'm like, maybe we should, but I don't know. It, 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 we're just on, on the fence on that because we're not quite as large a facility as Monsoon, but we're big enough to try something. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Does that change your mind on leathers at all? I love leathers. On like circle fighting, like fragging and actually using that as like a viable... I, I do like it. Um, so so sarcophytons are slower than I ever thought they would be. I always figured that they would, those would be just growing rampant, right? But uh, they, we just don't make the time to cut them. And I think it's because most of them end up in our tubs. And our tubs get highly ignored. But there's a, there's a tub that you guys will see tomorrow. It literally has like... 50 mother colony sized <laughs> things of leathers that we could absolutely be cutting up today. So I, um, I would li- I'd like to start into that because it is a surprisingly popular coral. Like it's not like a poor seller at all. Yeah, all the long polyp variety, thanks to Jake, right? Yeah, we've got, we've got some really cool ones, like, uh, like uh, a bright, bright green one that has green tentacles with a white, uh, oh, nice. yeah, with a white Ooh. tip. Yeah, That's cool, awesome. cool stuff. I think one of the most uh, listened to episodes of Reef Therapy was your episode by far. I want to say it's like tens of thousands more than any other episode. Um, and it was at the Reef Builder studio, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. You guys, yeah, we you did that in person. We just sitting on the sofa, right? Yeah. 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 So I guess from your perspective, and I know we kind of got this while you were there, but what about the Reef Builder studio to you is special? So what was what was immediately um, jumped out at me was so Jake had an eye for weird stuff, and because he's not economically driven in the way of selling coral, he really wanted to go out and find these curiosities that you almost never see in the hobby. They're not necessarily like the most highly desirable. Uh, like paint splatter, uh, like what is it, like grafted acro type stuff, right? Spliced, none of that stuff. But it'd just be like the most hardcore weird thing that looks like something else. So it'll be like, it'll be something that you would swear was like an anacropora, which is like a branching orange, um, like SPS. And there's this branching orange SPS, but it's not what you think it is. It is it's actually a type of Montipora that's growing exactly the same that you never see. So it's like this entire collection that's so highly curated for the weird stuff that I, that I appreciate that you don't see like every single day. Um, and th- the other thing that I liked was that my, my favorite tank in that entire studio was he had a low light, low temperature Australian LPS tank that just had some really, really, really choice specimens. And this it, is the wall tank. It right? is. Yeah. And the thing is, if this was a store, that tank couldn't exist because people would buy those things for a lot of money. <laughs> right? And that's that's the problem we have here. I would love to set up a tank pretty much exactly like that and fill it with my favorite Acanthophilia, Cyanarena, um, different types of lords, like whatever, right? But that can never exist here. 
those things would sell for thousands of dollars and we would move on and that tank would always be in some stage of like, hmm. Yeah. That's why I never had a Mauritius gem tang in my tank. Because every time I would bring one in and get it ready, go through QT, somebody would come up with the right amount of money and I'd be like, oh, I can't turn that down. <laughs> Here you go. And then repeat the cycle again. And you know now now the market's flooded with the with the cheap ones. They just they're not anywhere close to as good looking as the Mauritius ones. Yeah, and so the value of the ones from Mauritius are crushed, as it doesn't now make sense to make that flight. It's coming collect from, it. You can't. Yeah, it, it it's not viable here anymore. Mm. So I missed my opportunity completely to owning one of those for that exact reason. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Was there any specific coral at the studio that jumped out at you? Um, it was maybe super weird or? Yeah, so it, it was kind of funny because cause Jake was saying like, I'm surprised you're not asking me for coral, <laughs> right? Because it's like usually when I bring somebody over, like, can I get a cutting of this? Can I get a cutting of that? I, I looked at him and was like, I'll take everything in that LPS tank. And that ended that conversation <laughs> yeah, right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, careful what you wish for, Jake. I know it's valuable here. <laughs> I really like the, uh, the, and we've talked about this several times now, the uh, Turbinaria heronensis. It's very cool. From, uh, from Galleria Aquatica in Australia. It was funny because we did, a, we did a video recently, the most affordable and unique corals. And Anya got on that with, with that same video with, that you were on. And she showed the mother colony, and that thing was beautiful. Like, just the growth pattern on it. And it's not the flashiest in color, but there's just a little bit of, like, purplish, greenish, like, iridescence in it. Man, I that and he had a couple uh, – Jack said he's got, like, four or five of those scattered throughout the Rebuilder Studios. None of them as big as the one uh, that Anya has, but, man. that Very cool structure. That one took my breath away. I, I love that. That was awesome. So – Jake was really into that stuff, the structure, the the, the unique patterns or yeah. the growth of it. And you know what it reminds me of? It's like the it's like the guess that Pokemon thing where you just see like the outline <laughs> and the question mark, you know. And so it's like the the the, the silhouette itself should be a striking aspect of the coral that yeah. you're talking about. It's, it's Clefairy. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. What you're oh, his Clefairy, dang it. <laughs> My kids got really into Pokemon and they started watching all the all the old episodes and they always do that at the end and yeah, that was always it just it was nostalgic for me, so. Um anything else from anything else from the Rebuilder Studio um that really kind of was striking or any any other talking points there? Um I also appreciated like that he made it so clean knowing that I was going to be there. <laughs> like he said, it's like, you know, like my, my normal helper guy, he's, he's like off on vacation. So it was just me having to do all this. I hope you appreciate how much this is, the, the effort had gone into this to get it this clean because he like, he went hard. 
on the so th this is a, this is what's always funny. It's like whenever we have like special guests over, we do clean up our systems, right? Sure. And I yeah. joke to Raj, it's like so just let me know what day you're gonna come so that we can make this place unsustainably clean for your <laughs> visit. You know, it's like everybody does it. You know, but yeah, he he put in so much effort to make it so super clean because he's like fans gonna show up with his camera from outer space. <laughs> it's gonna pick up on every detail of what's wrong with my system. So yeah, he he was like so he, so worried about that, I think. And he, he super polished the whole place up. It looked fabulous. Yeah, yeah. It, and, and I would say the last time that we were there, Jack's doing a really good job of, of keeping everything super clean. He's got some projects, and I don't know if he sent you any of this, but uh, the Chalice Palace, Ooh, that, yeah. that was in the rack. He made his own. There's a, a new tank featuring all those chalice um, corals from from that chalice palace. So he's been doing some stuff. We need to we need to get back yeah. there and document some of that, or have him do it. He and, says and, he's doing some stuff, and that he'll, but he hasn't shown me any progress. But, yeah, so I think he's waiting, <laughs> waiting for the big reveal. Yeah, yeah. Well, is there anything else you guys want to chat about tonight before we get out of here, or do you have any burning questions for Than? I mean, he rejected my question. I wanted him to call out some world. <laughs> well, he, want, he wants the drama. I want, I want the drama. He wants I want, that, to, he wants I want that, to see a fight. He wants that tea. I want to be, you know. What's worth fighting about? What's worth fighting about? What is about? worth fighting about? Uh, water changes are always fun to fight about. Mm -hmm. Not divisive enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, torch coral names. Go. <laughs> I can't tell them apart. I, I'm so glad that I'm never like I was out of it by that time because if I was buying corals as a hobbyist with all of the naming conventions now uh, I would I would be insane I, I have no idea what any coral is called at all you'd be surprised but I I know very few myself yeah. um, the only thing that I because I know that a lot of a, a lot of companies like their their marketing strategy is to brand their thing specifically sure. to their store, and even if they there's an established name for something, they want to reestablish it with with their branding. It's cool. great marketing. Whatever. Yeah. So my my take on that was always I want people to find what they're looking for. So if they're looking for it under a different name that's done by a comp like a competitor, I'm definitely using their name for the simple fact that Google does not care if it has a TG in front of it, right? Yeah. Does not care. So we, d we would love to just use everybody else's name, but where it falls apart for us is sometimes, and I, I, I hate it when this happens, but sometimes certain things slip through the cracks and we will have two different names for the same thing. And, it, and sometimes it is merely because they're in different tanks, they look slightly different but not that different. It's just because of the, that condition that they were in. One's in the greenhouse, one's here. They color up slightly differently. So this shows up as two different items on our website. It's not a problem if one person is buying one and one person is buying the other. They're getting exactly what they asked for. It's fine. It's when one customer buys both. And then it's like, oh, we suck. Oh, we suck so bad. Because this poor customer is going to get the same coral twice at two different prices. And oh. it's like it's, it's, it's like that 
am I the a-hole thing. It's like, yep. <laughs> Sorry For that instance. Tis I. Yeah. I am the one. Um, well, uh, if you guys don't have anything else you want to, I mean, we could, honestly, we could sit here and we could pick apart everything in this place. Um, but I think we need to get some shut eye cause we got a long day of shooting tomorrow. Um, very excited to kind of go through this whole entire building and, and dissect if you'll let us. Absolutely. Let's do it <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you want to leave comments, you can do that. Any questions for uh, Than or Raj or myself, go ahead and do that in the comment section below. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're not, go ahead and find us on the socials. We, we announced the uh, Top Shelf Aquatics Grow Out Contest, uh, which Reef Builders is participating in. If you have not gotten into that and you're an SPS head and if you love and you grow Acropora really, really well, all of the contest grow out frags are super nice from Top Shelf Aquatics. So make sure to hit up topshelfaquatics.com. The Coral Smackdown uh, is, is what's going on. The grow out contest. They're calling it the Smackdown, I guess. Than, you weren't invited, so... Bummer. <laughs> Which after <laughs> talking to you and, and hearing that you're not the best at Acropora, I don't know, it might be. I, I, I am, I'm not ashamed to admit that Top Shelf does it extraordinarily well. Yeah. 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 They're, uh, they're pretty awesome. Well, thank Than, thank you so much for, uh, for letting us talk to you for an hour tonight. Uh, we're going to get some sleep and we'll be back here in the morning. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.